0: Friends, to this fine little radio program, podcast and video cast known as smoking and toasting. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits and hand rolled cigars. Uh, it is show number ninety-eight, and we're brought to you by B and B butchers and restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, and soon to take over the entire world. You're well well they do
1: it. Is reaching Ed McMahon portions. You do realize <laughs> that, right? Ed McMahon? <laughs> well, neither well, he, here's Johnny
0: or here. But did he now? Did he say "Here's Johnny"? Or did he just sit one. on the? Did no, he, he did, just sit yeah. on the yeah, couch and go "Here's Johnny"? from. See, I think of Ed McMahon as just the guy that sat on the couch and went
1: "Oh, <laughs> you are correct, <laughs> sir." <laughs> uh,
0: but I can do that. But um, yeah, no, he
1: always did the introduction. It was always here. I, I think it Mc- got longer every year.
0: I think Ed McMahon was a big uh, a big drinker too. I mean. He just, he just had that look You know what I mean? Like, like you, you. Sometimes you can look at someone And I mean this in the most like complimentary way You can look at someone and go That's a man that enjoys a good drink Right? right? I, I, I could see that I <laughs> thought that about you, even the first time I saw you I said, like, this I is a man that enjoys a good drink
1: Was it because I had a good drink in my hand? <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the reason That might have like been the enjoying reason yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, welcome to show number 98 We are thrilled uh, to have uh, Dave Pickrell on it uh, on the show today, Dave is with Wh- Wh- Whistlepig. Actually, you kind of are Whistlepig. Whistlepig. Uh, like you're, I'm you're Boss not, Hog. You're not just a yeah. You're not just a representative. <laughs> you're you're like the man. So we want to find out all about how it got started and where you know what uh, how what your secret was that this became so big so fast. It might not have seemed that fast to you. But to the rest of the world, it was like, wow, overnight, oh, yeah. whistle pig became a thing. Yeah, it was pretty much and like, what the hell is
1: Whistlepig? Now you can't find it.
0: Right. That's exactly and what it, it was. <laughs> I, never, I never got that sweet spot in the middle where I heard right. how good it was, and, and it and was And got easy to try to it find. at an affordable price. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: no. I say that in the kindest way. <laughs>
0: yes. But that's okay, because we'll be doing some sampling today. And also, Ian, I am so excited because um you you uh you called me this week, oh yeah, and told me it's here, look what I found, yeah, and so normally on the show, you know when we do beers we're you know we're doing them to taste. We try to do things that we haven't tasted before. But in this case, Ian, I'm going to ask this you is, to open that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in this case, this is one we've had before, and it it deserves to be just the toast to open every year. Show. I'm holding this up. Yeah,
1: I, this this every year is basically a waiting period for, for this, this for this October. This Fest. stuff is so good.
0: St. Arnold makes honestly it has it's my favorite October I've ever tried from any. uh from any beer line, and and I've tried a lot of them. So, oh, I love that sound. Oh, are we
1: supposed to open that now? Yes, we are, because this is <laughs> this is
0: well, oh, this is a segment one beer. This is We're going this right is into we, it. Yes, well, and, you know we've tasted it before, and of course we'll talk about it. But uh, this one's not so much for information. This is just for us to enjoy uh, in segment one. And and uh, Dave, the I, I brought too, I, I'm I did. A heavy there. I did mention this to you off air, but. Uh, but we do ask our guests, um, unless you know they don't drink a particular thing for a particular reason. We do ask our guests to join us in our uh, in our beer sampling. If you're the spirits guy, or if you were a beer guy visiting us, we'd ask you to join uh, in sampling the spirits. So that's the way we do it. So,
2: well, obviously, I look like a beer guy,
0: right? <laughs> you're going to need to hand me that other one, by
2: the way.
1: You
0: got it. Uh, no, you know what? It's 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 actually uh, hard to tell. Yeah, you look like you could probably enjoy a beer, sure, right. or or, sure. Or, a, or a case or. <laughs> Now, where where is uh, where is home for you? I know you told me off air you do a lot of traveling, but where where are you from? Well, I was born just outside of Dayton, Ohio. Okay, spent most of my adult life in uh,
2: the Louisville area in Kentucky. Okay, um, last few years I I am a true whiskey nomad. Wow! Um, I just I, I realized I'd spent thirteen nights in a house in a year, and I was paying twenty eight hundred dollars a month in a mortgage payment, <laughs> and realized that's two thousand dollars a night. Yeah, um, I think I can do better than that. You can stay in better hotels. And, uh, so, so I just packed it up. Mother Marriott and Father Hilton love me, mm-hmm. and I just go from city to city, exposing the virtues of Whistle. The big. virtues of Whistle Big. Well, there are worse things to do. You know, there's there's great friends every city I go into
0: Well, that's the thing. You sort of arrive preheated. You know, you arrive. With, <laughs> no, it's, it's it's so true, man. People are kind of like Santa Claus. People it's really right. do
1: want to see you. Yeah, well, I'm right. Boss Claus.
0: Right. So uh, so. Now now, uh, are you guys uh, familiar at all with St. Arnold? And
2: we are, in fact. As a matter of fact, we we have a, a structured partnership with them, where St. Arnold picks up a lot of our used barrels and uses them to age their products. Oh, We've for, tasted quite a few of those. Yes, bishop's
1: that's barrels. right,
0: because the bishop's barrels and and in some cases the uh, divine reserves mm-hmm. are are barrel aged, and that's a. Uh, that's a match made in heaven. Mm. There, that's well, that's that's good stuff. But well, we love this Oktoberfest. It's it's been one of our uh, one of our favorite beers on the show, and I think easily our favorite Oktoberfest um, since uh, well. Is this this isn't the third time? Of, no, this is just the no, second. This is the third time. Is this the. How do we have October? This is only show number one hundred. So,
1: well, I guess I guess yeah, it makes we sense. cut. We started the show like right before uh,
0: fifty-two weeks in a year. So we probably had it that first, and yeah. then, then had it last, and then here we are. Although it is a little crazy to drink Oktoberfest when it's hundred and two degrees outside. I love this beer. <laughs> yeah, you know.
1: Okay, so so everyone loves. Really, really hoppy beers are so popular. Mm-hmm. Like everyone wants really hoppy stuff. There's all these IPAs, and during the summer, and I like beer, so I'm pre I'm predisposed to like beer in the first place. Okay, mm-hmm. so I've heard that. Generally speaking, it's okay. I'll deal with IPAs all day long, but as soon as I can find something that's not so hoppy, mm-hmm. I'm probably drinking it. So I try to find an amber ale or something like that that's not killing me with hops, and <clears throat> I'm just fine with them coming out at the end of June. With this, okay, because this is multi-delicious wonderfulness It has nothing to do with an IPA But when I
0: taste this particular <laughs> flavor profile I start to think about and, and you can even see this in the motif on, on the bottle mm-hmm. I start to think about the leaves turning I start mm-hmm. to think about those those spices that sort of come around when it's late October headed into November, pumpkin pie, you know, that, that not that this tastes like pumpkin now, pie. Now, you know, where in Texas but, the know, leaves don't turn, right? Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I, I get it, I get it. It's not, it's your, not. your northern side is yeah. showing, he's thinking <laughs> Vermont, right? uh, 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 well, anyway, uh, but but that's that's what you start to think about, though, yeah, is, of, of course, you know, the of changing course. of the weather and, and what have you, and so it just seems. A little premature because we haven't hit Labor Day yet. You know I, what I mean.
1: I get multi beer in August. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good. It's I'm all good. happy with it. Hey, it's not a complaint. It's also, just, I think it's just it gives a... me more time to buy this beer. Well, that as which long makes as me very happy. Yeah, there you go. And then as... I can stock up on this while I'm waiting for their Christmas ale to come out, which, which is, is also... probably one of the next
0: best beers ever. Mm, 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 mm. Love it. Love it. Well, we have a whole lot to do and a whole lot to taste uh, on the show. Dave has. Uh, Brought along uh, plenty of different whistle pig products, and and I even see some in the little uh, sort of like uh, what do you call these the the pra- the white labels?
2: Yeah, those are those yeah. are little sample bottles oh. of things. Those are barrel samples. Oh, so there might be a little fun on the side. here. Ian, are you salivating?
0: <laughs> That's good. Oh, you got to look That's at the good.
2: proof too. Yeah, this, this <laughs> the one I just picked up is a hundred and twenty proof. Ooh. Just so you know,
0: yeah. all right, it's good to know. Yeah. This is going to be an exciting day Uh, You know, you and I are keeping Uber afloat Right. I just want to mention that (laughs) I just want to mention that So, uh, We also want to mention that our 100th show free-for-all is just two weeks away This is number 98 Uh, And so two weeks from now, we'll be live right at this same time uh, From an undisclosed location where uh, a whole bunch of uh, people who've been guests on the show before And a few fans who've been... uh, uh, well, first of all, they've been smart enough to kind of like crack the code and figure out like what we're doing and where we're doing it. And I probably should have said to them, "Hey, look, it's supposed to be people who've been on the show before." Except I was just so excited to find out we had fans. I was like, "Come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know, it'll it'll be a blast, Somebody watches so. the show. Somebody's actually right. listening. Somebody's actually Love out there. It. So, yeah, so we'll uh we'll uh, talk a little bit about that, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a
1: absolutely like off-the-wall kind of show. because So it's, can we call our secret location, can we call it the Hall of Whiskey? Sure, let's call it the Hall of like Whiskey. If it's the Hall of Justice, we could be mm-hmm. like the Hall of Whiskey.
0: Oh, the, like in uh, Super Friends, right, the Hall right. of Justice? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I caught the reference. I, that, that works for me. So that's coming up. We're going to be tasting, in addition to uh, some fine, fine whistle pig products today, uh, we're going to be tasting the Twilight Summer Ale from Deschutes Brewery, Ale Smith's Horny Devil, their Belgian-style golden ale, and... A Guinness 200th anniversary export stout from Dublin, Ireland So those are our beer tastings
1: Did you have uh, anything interesting to smoke this week, Ian? I did, actually I went and sat down with a friend of mine last night And he uh, laid a cigar on me It was a Hoya de Nicaragua Oh, nice And it was the uh, Antonio Have you mm. had any of those? Mm-hmm. This was the Dark Corojo Oh, nice And what a cigar it was Yeah? Um the pre-light sniff on this was leather, a little bit of maybe, like, caramel, some mm-hmm. sweet kind of flavors, and, and a ton of earth, like, like deep, rich, fully, like, tilled earth. The pre-light draw on it was effortless and awesome. The the wrapper on this was intense, like, leathery, chewy, toothy, all the way down, veins going all the way through. It was a beautiful cigar. The, uh... uh <laughs> the cigar pretty much punches you in the face as soon as you light it. Yeah. It I've, goes uh, Have you had this one? Well, the always can be that way. It's yeah. It's big pepper like yeah. right off the bat. The pepper kind of uh, uh, uh kind of slows down a little bit and you pick up notes of leather and there's still spice going through, maybe a hint of chocolate, more caramel kind of things like that. Oddly enough, the whole first uh third of this was like that. The second third was interesting because it was a transitional part of the cigar and the second third developed from that pepperiness. The peppery backed off a little bit. Um, and the earthiness backed off a little bit. And I got an odd note of, uh, uh, like, like orange zest going on in it Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, and some other just really interesting, darker fruit flavors kind of things happening. Uh, it was a blast. I had to tend it one time. Not bad. I had no problems with that. Uh, smoked it down until it was a nub. The, uh, the, uh, Leather flavors picked up, and the nutty flavors started picking up substantially on the last third. I smoked it down to a enough. I was very happy with it. Mm. If I was going to put a uh, price to quality index on it, I would put it at five and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about a seven-eight dollar cigar, I think, or maybe even a little more for the size that we smoked, and it was worth every penny and maybe a little more. And it was an experience, which was the most important part.
0: Dave, our price to quality scale the way we do, we don't give out the traditional cigar ratings that a lot do, but we we do like to do price to quality, and that's based on a scale of uh, zero to ten. And if uh, something is, if you get exactly what you paid for, that's a five. So no, five is not a disappointment mm-hmm. at all a 4 would be maybe a little disappointing. If it's a 6, like wow, you got more than you paid for. This this was a really excellent deal. And so you can uh, one of the one of the highest price to quality ratings we have ever had was uh, Ian reviewing a Black and Mild. Uh, because Oddly the uh, price wasn't uh, wasn't all that high, and you like actually 60 really cents. you actually really wow. enjoyed it. So holy and I was holy. sitting
1: around with yeah. friends; I had a great time smoking yeah. a cigar. So of course, yeah. it's a good cigar. That's now, a great deal.
0: I had a, uh, a cigar that I think you may have reviewed on the show before, Ian, the San Latano Oval. Oh yeah, from A.J. Yeah. Fernandez. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful cigar. Habano 2000 wrapper, Nicaraguan and Honduran fillers, um, and there's apparently some secret. Filler in here, you know, kind of like the secret sauce at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's some secret filler; they won't tell us what it is. But pre-light on this thing was lush and leathery. A little bit of spice on the nose. Uh, I used a punch. I lit it up and was. Basically basking in complexity from the word yeah. go uh, I was loving whatever this secret filler is From, from the very <laughs> beginning uh, Notes of leather, spice, and nuts But all extremely smooth I do not know what is up with A.J. Fernandez But that man is just absolutely on fire yeah, which, seems, golden right which now. seems like a bad cigar pun but like honestly you're <laughs> right everything everything he touches yeah. right now just seems like it's really amazing uh, this had a great construction it smoked beautifully um buy this cigar it's around 10 bucks a stick worth every Penny. Honestly, if you told me it was a fifteen dollars cigar, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have batted an eye. I'd have totally believed you. Uh, price to quality, I'm going to give it a seven, one of my highest ratings Ooh, ever. Amazing. It was it was amazing, and I just couldn't believe like how much I enjoyed it, and so. There you go. When when you have that experience, you got to roll with it. So, uh, all right. Here's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, we're going to start tasting the whistle pig in our next segment. So, uh, Dave, you can figure out where you want us to start. All what right. a good progression will be. And we have several segments left to do some tasting and comparing. And of course, we've got lots of questions for you about whistle pig, how it got started, how it how it took off like it did, and uh, and what it is that makes it so special. So it's smoking and toasting. It's our 98th show and And we are on show number ninety-eight, and Dave Pickrell with Whistlepig is our special guest in the studio, and so we're really excited about uh, getting into some of the tasting, and and uh, so Dave, let's since we have a few things to taste, let's jump to that. Where do you where do you want us to start uh, tasting Whistlepig? Oh, we're going to start with our flagship, okay? Which is our ten-year-old. It's Your ten-year, right?
2: And uh, and this this is this is
0: where it all began, okay? Um. And and obviously, we want you to tell us a little bit about that story. You were already in the, the spirits world uh, yes. before, uh, before Whistle Pig, right?
2: Yes, this is actually my third adult spirits job. Okay. Um, so it started with me wanting to be a master's, uh, with me wanting to be a, a chemical engineer. A
0: chemical and, uh, engineer?
2: Really, like the guy in the yep. white lab coat the when whole I was a bit. Right? When I was five years old, I decided I was going to be a chemical engineer. And it, I know this is bizarre. <laughs> But I, I grew what five up. What five-year-old decides that? I, this this weird one. So so here, what happened was I, <laughs> I grew up, you know, in a lower blue-collar neighborhood, and, and there wasn't much anything extra in the family. But our deal was we'd load up in a car on Sunday and go for a drive. Mm-hmm. And in my little kid perspective, we drove till we got lost and then found a way home. Certainly, I was lost, so we must all be lost. Couldn't do that without passing a factory or two. And every time we'd pass a factory, I'd start peppering dad with questions. What's that tank for? And what's that pipe? And why is there smoke coming out of that thing? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it wouldn't take dad very long. And he'd go, son, the only person that understands that's the chemical <laughs> engineer. And what that meant was shut up. I'm not answering more of your stupid <laughs> questions. And, and every, every week... From three years old to five, I heard that same answer over and over and over again. I Nobody remember, knows except, the, the, chemical except the chemical engineer. And I remember like it was yesterday. We were passing a Kimberly-Clark toilet paper plant. And there's this ginormous pile of reject toilet paper out in the front. It's like, it's like four stories tall. And I start in Pepper and Dad with questions again. And he does He goes, son, the only person that understands that is the chemical engineer. And this is before seat belts. I came clean out of my seat grabbed the back of the front seat, pulled myself up, and I said, then I'm going to be the chemical engineer because I need to understand these things. (laughs) And by the time I was was 10, I I knew that I needed somebody else to pay for my scholarship because Mm -hmm. there was no way my parents were paying, and I was going to (laughs) graduate early. And uh, I knew I needed every science and math course known to man. And the only way my little kid's head could get wrapped around all this stuff was play sports and figure out which one I'm good enough. So I started playing. So you could get a scholarship. So I could get a scholarship. Yeah. So I started with baseball. And uh, I was a really good first baseman. I had a fielder stretch to reach halfway to the pitcher's mound. Nothing ever got by me. I was fearless. But I was a big boy. And I knew that if I hit that tater, it was going out of the park. And I was a really impatient hitter. By the time I was 13, I realized my 111 batting average was worse than a pitcher. <laughs> and I wasn't likely to get a scholarship playing baseball. And so that went by the by. Then I was off to basketball. And I was kind of like a Dennis Rodman with no hops. <laughs> and, uh, and finally I realized that my vertical leap would barely clear the Sunday newspaper, and so that went away. And one by one, the sports all peeled away, and it was either gonna be track or football. And I held all my high school records in the indoor and outdoor shot in the discus, and, and I was first team all state Ohio blindside tackle. And uh, lo and behold, West Point picked me up, offered me a scholarship. Wow, and, West Point. Uh, so I went to West Point to play football, and uh, they didn't have chemical engineering, but they had chemistry. So I majored in chemistry and minored in physics, and nuclear engineering, and I thought I'll just do my five, and then I'll be old enough and I'll I'll just get my master's. Mm-hmm. And as I was finishing my obligated time, West Point calls up and says, you were a really good chemistry student, and you wrote some papers that got us some recognition, we think we owe you. Would you like to come back as a professor? Wow. And I said, well I know there's more to this story, so let's have it all, and they said, well, for the mere cost of an additional six years, <laughs> um, we'll send you to get your master's in any chemistry-related field, and you can come back and teach. And I said, is chemical engineering close enough? And they said, that'll work. That'll work, yeah. I said, done. So they sent me off to the University of Louisville. And while I was standing for my master's degree, my mentor, Dr. Charlie Plank, re- recognized that I'm an idiot savant at distilling. It's not about brilliance. I can close my eyes and see molecules running around still. Wow! When he gave the distillation final, I got a ninety-nine. The second high score was a thirty-five, <laughs> and, uh, oh, holy and uh, they started calling me Grain Man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he just cherished all this stuff. And I and I finished my military service after eleven years. The army finally decided I was too disabled from a little too many parachute jumps, <laughs> and uh, and I've got a fake ankle now. But um, and they said. Thank you for your service, you can go now. And uh, I was just gonna go be a chemical engineer. And I had 59 job offers. A lot of them right here around the Houston area.
0: Mm-hmm. Mostly. Yeah, there's a lot of that here. Mostly
2: yeah. petrochem. Well yeah, sure. And uh, and and uh, I called Dr. Pinecup and said all I need is to, as a letter of reference to fill up my portfolio, and I'm good, and I'm just so excited I'm gonna be a chemical engineer finally. And he goes, no. I go, what do you mean no? You're my mentor, I I really respect you. I was hoping for a letter, and he goes, no, I'm not going to write you a letter. I'm going to tell you where you're going to work because the beverage alcohol industry needs you, and I've just been waiting. And he says, I've never done this in 40 years, but I'm telling you where you're going to work. Wow. And he introduced me to a small consulting firm in Louisville that just did beverage alcohol, and they just landed a contract that was more than they could handle, and they needed a chemical engineer that could do distillation. And that was me. I met with them over lunch. It seemed like a fun deal. They offered me the job, and I, and I took it on the spot. And for six years, five, six years, I just ran around the world building distilleries and parts of distilleries. Hmm. Got to make some really awesome stuff and two of the most crappy whiskeys I've ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> one in China, one in Belarus. Um, I knew I was in trouble when I drove up to the distillery in China. This is massive. So it's like twice the size of Jack Daniels, plus a city of people. It wasn't Mekong, was it? No. This okay. was Shandong <laughs> General Alcohol Distillery in okay. Jinan, China. Okay. And so, as I'm, this place is looming larger and larger, I ask my host, you do make beverage alcohol here, right? He goes, crosses his arms, looks at me and goes, yes. It's a matter of a few words. And uh, we're driving along farther and farther and the place is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I'm going, do you make fuel alcohol here? He looks at me and he goes, yes. Yes. <laughs> and I said, what's the difference? And he looks at me like I'm nuts and goes, Some goes in
1: bottles
2: (laughs) I'm going Oh my god What have I gotten myself into (laughs) That's brilliant Oh my god That's brilliant So So This was your first job That was my first job And then then, uh, One of my One of my Consulting clients Was Makers Mark Okay And one day I was over at Makers Mark Doing some work Bill Samuels Walks out of his office And Bill is one of the most Brilliant men And the most brilliant Marketing Mm -hmm. genius And spirits I've ever known He walks out of his office and just flags me over. And when Bill flags, you come, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He goes, did you know that we're looking for our next master distiller? I Mm -hmm. said, no, sir, I didn't. He goes, well, that explains why you didn't apply for it. He goes, (laughs) we just exhausted our entire candidate list. Didn't find anybody we like. We're tired of looking. Wow. And he said, if you want the job, it's yours. Wow. That was my whole interview. Wow. And for the only time in my life, I stuttered for like, I couldn't say yes fast enough. <laughs> and for 14 years then I served as a master distiller in Makers Mark.
0: I will tell you I'm a big fan of the Makers 46. Mm-hmm. That it is, is a great product. That is just wonderful.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a perfect line extension. You know, we always mm-hmm. talked about, you know, if you were going to do a line extension, the idea of a perfect one is one where nobody that likes your regular brand likes it. <laughs> and everybody that doesn't like your regular brand loves it. You're right. I, I, and, I, and, I'm, I'm okay with the and, regular brand. And,
0: but and, but I love the 46. But
2: uh, but it's 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 pretty split. You know, if you like the yeah. if you like the main one, you're probably not going to drink the 46 on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And if you like the 46, you're probably not so drinking you're the not, main one. On, you're so you're not cannibalizing, cannibalizing. yourself. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that was the whole idea: perfect line extension is zero cannibalization. Well, and that's as close as I've ever seen to a perfect line extension.
0: Well, we'll jump to Whistle Big uh, and, and that part of the story in, in a few moments. But I've been sitting here sipping on the the Whistle Pig Ten, and you know this is just this is just outstanding. I mean, this is your your sort of base uh, not not base in the way of like it's your it's your lowest one, but but this is your sort of flagship. Right, right. this the, is the flagship. Your, yeah,
2: and uh, and this one is Mr. Versatile.
0: Okay, and
2: you know I've got a moniker for each one. This one says I need a cocktail. Mm-hmm. So um, this is in partial fulfillment to a, a pledge that I made to to my best friend. Um, Aaron Price, mm-hmm. and when I first started at Makers, I, I, I let I let the title go to my head a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was doing a tasting, and somebody go, and it just happened Aaron was in the room, and the, and a guy goes, so how do you drink Makers Mark? And I can't believe I did this, but I looked at him and I said, neat, like I made it. Unless you're a wuss, and then <laughs> and then maybe a little water ice, But dude, come on, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. And Aaron comes up after the after the things over, and everybody's gone. He's got his pinky up, and he goes. Do I have to drink it with my pinky in the air? (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, I'm going to have a bourbon and Coke tonight. I'm just feeling it. Would Makers and Coke be better? I'm going... Yeah, Aaron, if, we're, if you were going to have a bourbon and Coke anyway, a Makers and Coke would be better. And he goes, great. Shut up. Quit telling me how to drink what I'm paying for. Well, let's go have Makers and Coke. <laughs> and it was just shaking me. It made me realize it's not my job to tell you how to drink it. Right. My job is to make it so good you can have it however you want. Oh, okay. I and, like that approach. And that's the fulfillment here because mm-hmm. um, it's 100 proof. It doesn't taste 100 proof. It tastes 86. No, it doesn't taste 100 proof at all. Um, and that's because we've... One of my signatures is no back palate burn. And mm-hmm. you get there by eliminating as much of the tannin as possible. We do that by air drying the wood like a wine barrel before we build it. This is, this is when you get into the actual oh, science yeah. of this. this yeah, is, so yeah. we take the wood, cut it, let it sit outside for nine months or a year, and it bleaches most all the tannin out. So when you get rid of the tannin, then you can get a balance between the rice, spice, and the caramel. Mm-hmm. And it turns out once you do that and you get the tannin out of the way, the caramel will hide about 15% of the alcohol. And so all of a sudden you get something that doesn't burn the back of your throat and it doesn't taste overproof. So if you want to drink it neat, it's not offensive. And the
0: caramel is is balanced so well by the fact that it's it it's got a little punch to it, but like you said, it's not a burn. It's not an after the it's not an after you swallow thing. It's it's uh, it's all on the tongue and you get that you get that little burn on the tongue and then here comes that caramel to just mm-hmm. Balance it out and make it perfect. Uh, And I say, you know, the front end is big, bold, and
2: spicy, and it's a Monongahela rye, which means there's mm -hmm. no corn in it. Mm -hmm. So that the spice can come through real cleanly. So you can, there goes the allspice and the clove and the ginger and the mint and the burnt orange. But then it settles down with a caramel, butterscotch, and vanilla finish that's so long it needs its own zip code. So Monongahela is a a river. Where did, where did, how does that name apply Uh, to the rye? So, um, you know, in history, you didn't used to ship grain all over the place. You mm-hmm. distilled what you had. Right. And at one point in time, there were like 3,500 distilleries just in Pennsylvania. And there were just little dots on the river, most of them on the Monongahela River. Mm-hmm. And uh, there wasn't any corn there because corn is native a little farther south. And so they made whiskey from what they had, which was rye grain. And, uh, and so it became known as Monongahela rye. Because most of the distilleries that did it were along the Monongahela River. Okay, that makes and sense. The other mm-hmm. style of rye being Maryland style rye, mm-hmm. which is what George Washington did, <laughs> and
0: and that, by the way, is George Washington still? Oh, <laughs> uh, so now you got to show that to the camera. So, uh, uh, so this if is if his tattoo. That. That's George Washington still. There. Hold on, father of our country. Oh, Let's
2: there we move go. That camera. There you go. Perfect. But yeah. uh, that's just a testament to how much I love rye. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, well, um, but uh, um, we wanted to be big, bold, and spice on the front end, long mm-hmm. caramel butterscotch, and vanilla finish,
0: and easy to build cocktails with. Right now, um, obviously, we'll get into the history of Whistle Pig a little bit. But was this the first one? This was the first. This okay. this
2: is where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, first bottling was July fourth, two thousand ten. it's not uh, that long ago. No, so it's new. not. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. When I st- if you if you take the number of cases Makers was making when I started consulting for them. Mm-hmm. That was 36 years after they started making it. Right. Whistlepig will hit that same number at about nine years.
0: At wow. Based on your current level yes. of growth. Wow. And uh, 36 is, versus... And Makers is one of the more successful. Oh, yeah. You know? They, it's not like it's a little
2: brand. Yeah, you know, people think of Makers as fairly young. It was first distilled in 1953, first case hit in 58, and it took him, you know, until... It took him 36 years to where we'll get in about nine. And that's... You know, and and you know, because I'm on the inside, it seems slow,
0: but we're on a rocket ship.
1: Well, you started way before, way before the product at the shelf, too. So that makes yeah. that makes a big difference. It did, yeah. yeah.
0: Now, when you were basically coming up with the recipe or the mm-hmm. formula for the ten, um, did you? Are you the kind of chemical engineer that can take a look at what your formula is and and how you're going to age it and what you're what you're including in it? and kind of know where you're headed, like, this is going to create
2: X. That's a great question, and I hadn't really thought about this, and a guy asked me one day, we were talking about fresh distillate, and he says, so when you taste off the still, what do you taste? And I think he was looking for a set of tasting notes. Mm -hmm. But before I could even think, the clutch disappeared, and what came out of my mouth was... I taste what it's going to be like when I'm done with
0: it. Well, and yeah. and, and that's this it, is what fascinates me, is that when you first taste that, it's it's not what you're going to be putting in the bottle, right. and I'm going to be opening you it home to be and pouring it to and into a glass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that, to me, is where the real, you know, I, I guess what's at the core of my question is about the balance of science and art. Like, right. how much of it is knowing... The molecules and knowing the uh, uh, the exact balance of the things you want, and how much of it is more like that—just a feel—that right. executive chef who's painting in strokes yeah. and 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 doing that. I like
2: to say when everything's going well, it's a hundred percent art. When everything's going to hell in a handbasket, it's a hundred percent science. science.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ian, your thoughts on on the tin because we we have not done a tasting on this on the show so. Uh, so, I'm,
1: I'm actually familiar with this. Oh, I uh, know you are. had this. <laughs> I've familiarized. I've done my research. You've done your research, and oh. that's important. <laughs> yes, this is fantastic. Um, any way you drink it, this is great neat. This is great mm-hmm. with a cube of ice, which is the way I generally prefer it. Um, it's great uh, in an old fashioned. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like however you mix it, it's just such a good base. And you're right that there's the heat is almost not even existent on mm-hmm. it. Which makes it so easy to drink. It also makes it. Uh, it gives it a character that blends really well in cocktails. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. which. I mean, so many liquors in general just don't have that characteristic mm-hmm. at all, and this just blends so well because of it, and because of that lack of uh, of heat on the back too. You can experiment with a lot more flavors. I think. I think that, so, that yes. way because mm-hmm. you don't have that lingering burn. Which I think makes it a very interesting uh, liquor in the first place, just due to that one, uh, that one quality.
0: We are tasting uh, Whistle Pig, and we have a lot more to go. Plus, we have some beers to taste. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to find out you're at Maker's. What led to you saying Okay I want to do this on my own And start Whistlepig Plus uh, what's next on the tasting menu Oh, uh, We're going to do My Favorite Whiskey Child Of all times mm, and, that's that's a, and that's the old world That's all we need to know We're uh, smoking and toasting We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant At 1814 Washington Ave in Houston And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth And we will be right back Oh man I can't wait for the old world Wow Back to Smoking and Toasting It's the radio show that's all about Craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant uh, in Clearf- The shops at Clear Fork In Fort Worth And in Houston At 1814 Washington Ave I love that Even though it was kind of fumbly I liked it It was still it was okay. very authentic So it I'm going to re- add it was,
1: in It was real This is a warts and all kind I, of a I, show I'm going to go ahead and say that Sometimes I add in a little fumble Because just Clink, psh, doesn't always do it but no, sometimes right. a little bit of this
0: no you're so makes right. it sound like you're doing something when uh, when back in the old days when i was doing top 40 radio morning show you'd have a character you know that would call and and you know say some stupid stuff or whatever and so whenever they would go to hang up the phone all the characters when they would hang up the phone they wouldn't just hang up the phone it would be like clackety clackety, clackety. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. like they couldn't figure out how to get it to the receiver you know to uh, that was back in the days kids when you could hang up a phone By doing something besides a swipe You know You actually had to put (laughs) the handle Back into the uh, You know that's uh, that's the way that it worked. Uh, you're listening to Smoking and Toast, and this show is all about uh, craft beer and fine spirits and hand rolled cigars. We are thrilled to have Dave Pickrell with Whistle Pig uh, on the show. We're hearing the Whistle Pig story. If we
1: could just get him to
0: open up a little bit and talk
1: to him. Yes, mic. I know,
0: I know. That's you know, some <laughs> guests you to, just to have guess, to rely
1: on our radio skills to make that happen. Some
0: guests you just have to drag it out of them. I don't know what it is, uh, but uh, no, we're uh, we're having uh, a blast learning about. Uh, Dave's past and how Whistle Pig started, and tasting Whistle Pig products, and of course asking uh, Dave to taste some beers with us. And uh, this is a special uh, summer ale from the Deschutes uh, Brewery Company. This is uh, uh, the Twilight Summer Ale. And one of the things I like about these guys is when they make a summer ale, they don't just go, "Okay, what's the lightest beer we can possibly make?" It's a, it's a, it's right. light and summer Don't get me wrong, but these guys are, these guys are not known for like. You know, pulling it back and going, let's make something to compete with you know uh, the ultras of the world.
1: I also like that in a summer ale they didn't not just go the latest they could go. They also didn't go. I'm going to put a ton of hops in this. Right, it's not a it's, it's not actually, a super
0: hoppy beer at it's, all.
1: It's a malty mm-hmm. ale as well. But again, you can't find this everywhere. That's the thing. Five yeah. percent. So it's pretty. It is you know, a seasonal though. That's why. I
0: mean, it's it, it's only available. Uh, during the spring and summer months. So,
1: profile says bright and crispy flavor profile made f- uh, made like the freshest citrus and easy drinking summer ale. Didn't tell you much about it. It's got it, a lot of malty profile to it, which makes me really enjoy it's it. It's
0: like citrus and malt, but the citrus doesn't come across yeah. in that hoppier way that a lot of you know with a lot of the. And of course, I'm a big fan of the the hazy and the juicy IPAs. But that that citrus tastes very hoppy in a way that this citrus doesn't. This almost
1: tastes like it's, it's added, No, even this, I know this, that this it's This leaves not. kind of a little bit of a mouth watering. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what lemonade sort of does lemonade. after you take it? Yes, a, yes, that's yeah. perfectly said. Perfectly said. <laughs> How are you said, feeling about
2: said. it? <laughs> um, I'm a fan of Kolsch right oh, now.
1: I'm just learning like, about Kolsch
2: beer. You like the crisp and, and clear. And, and there's a lot of Kolsch kind of elements in this mm-hmm. for me. And you know, It's a little hoppier than a Kolsch, but, uh, but uh, um this is a definitely a, a sit back and slam it kind of beer. Yeah, yeah very very drinkable, <laughs> as we like to say, sessionable.
1: That. We, we that's what like, we say, sessionable. Like, like Jimmy Morey said when we were uh, Jimmy Moore is the uh, the, uh, the brewmaster, brewmaster Shiner, Shiner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Spotswood Brewery. He goes, you know, when you want to sit down and drink sixteen or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only the thing was, he wasn't making yeah, a joke. He was being he was, he was
0: being totally serious.
1: Well, you know,
2: I've decided that if I ever got into a beer, I want to. I'd like to have a beer that's name is Dia. Dia, dia, So that you can order
0: a quesadilla. Oh. <laughs> Ian, yeah, I was going to say, you've got the little red box. So. <laughs> that works for me, though. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I'm starting
1: to learn where those buttons are so I can do that. Yes, at, like, no, that's,
0: you can reach right for it. See, I always got them wrong, so I'd, <laughs> I'd play the glass breaking, you know, whatever. And uh, uh, Yeah, you were trying to reach for glass breaking there and didn't know where it was,
1: right? <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to uh, what I need to do is sit down and have a regimen of practicing with. Yes, this, you know? yes, and I'm sure your wife would love that. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the soundtrack for my life, <laughs>
0: um, Dave. When you were at Maker's Mark, and you uh, at some point, did you decide I want to go it on my own, or or what? What made you uh, leave? I mean, I would think that'd be a, a pretty highly esteemed distiller's position oh, in the industry. Um, you know, the, there were two things that
2: really conspired. Mm-hmm. The first was, um, you know, I'm ADD and I need to have a lot of things to keep me entertained um, and uh, um, and not get in trouble. Um, but when I walked into Makers, they pointed at the wall and they said, there's the bullseye. Don't ever move Don't it. Don't ever move it, yeah. And they'd take out a micrometer every once in a while to make sure it didn't move. I could shrink the target, but I couldn't ever move the bullseye. Now there was a lot of challenge because you know going from you know seventy five thousand cases to one point five six million without mm-hmm. moving the bullseye was a big challenge. Right, of course. It's not and like so, you
0: are tasked to improve this. Right, right. No, just don't screw it up. You, you, right? Exactly, exactly. and, uh, well, yeah. and, and when you um,
1: make bigger batches, it's not like I'm doing double the amount, so you just do double the ingredients. It doesn't work that right. way. Anyway. Now you have to know exactly yeah. what to scale up and mm-hmm. how.
2: Yeah. And uh, so that was a big piece of the challenge, and part of it was keeping the cost structure in line and. And one of the, one of my favorite things is I walked in the door the first day, and I had the, the CFO, I said, I want you to write down the cost of making one case of Maker's Mark. Put it on a sticky note, and he does, and I take it and stapled it to his wall. He goes, what'd you do that for? And I go, because I will never make a case that expensive again. And and so it was about getting cost in line and wow. knowing how to be efficient and effective while you were doing it. So there were a lot of things that, that that I wanted to do, and I was getting all those things done, and we were marching along pretty well. Two thousand one, the the uh, Ladies Association of Mount Vernon decided it was time to come clean and admit that George Washington was a distiller, mm-hmm. and to rebuild his distillery. It had burnt to the ground in eighteen fourteen, and mm-hmm. history had literally and figuratively <clears throat> and literally covered it over. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they asked Makers if I could be involved in, in the, the team to reestablish it. That's awesome. And, uh, which is why George Washington still is on my arm. But, uh, and, uh, you know, at Makers, it's all about weeded bourbon. So, you know, rye is a four-letter word. I know mm-hmm. we're in Kentucky. We can't count real well. <laughs> um, but uh, um, I fell in love with rye. It's like, you know, see, it's like, you know, maybe you've been to some social event at some point in time, and you see somebody you've never seen before. And you go, oh, they look interesting. Maybe I should go say hi. And that hi leads to a little banter, maybe a drink or two, invitation to dinner. And next thing you know, it's a full-blown romance. That was me and rye whiskey. Mm. And the more I learned, the more I fell in love with it. And the problem was in 2001, nobody was drinking it except my great-granduncle. Right. Um, Rye wasn't
0: a big deal then the way it is now. I mean, it
2: was in steady decline for 30, 40 years. And, And, I mean, literally, the only people making rye were three or four of the bourbon guys. And it was like a civic duty. I mean, mm-hmm. one day a year they'd go, well, I guess we should make the rye. And they'd open mm-hmm. up their mash bill and stuff enough rye in to get it over 51%. <laughs> and and they'd make rye for a day. And then they'd go, okay, we're done. Now we're we done. can go back yeah. to making bourbon. And they weren't spending any marketing money on it. And it was like, I just can't wait for this to die <laughs> so we can quit. And uh, um, and here I was falling in love with it and making all these plans for what perfect rye would be like, you know, and how to have rye that doesn't have a back palate burn and 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 how to get this big bold spicy taste and getting the proof right and I'm and I'm getting all these thoughts down and and nobody cared and so I couldn't do anything about it. And then 2006 comes along and the cocktail revival started in mm-hmm. n- mostly in New York and in San Francisco mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and you know the the bartenders basically are going I'm tired of making all these stupid sexual innuendo named drinks with all this sugar I can be. Serious about my profession, and they dug out the 1930 Savoy, and the and the Jerry Thomas cocktail books, and they started reading through them. And they said, "Would you look at that? The first Manhattan had rye in it, and the first Julep had rye in it, and before the Old Fashion was old, it had rye in it." Mm-hmm. And they said, "Guess we should buy some rye if we're going to be authentic." In 2006, the category of rye grew to 20 percent in the United States. Wow and i'm going oh my god she's coming back to life <laughs> and i got still just one data point be still my beating heart mm-hmm. 2007 it grew 30% and i left makers mark and this is based you think on the cocktail revolution oh yeah. totally yeah and uh, and people but people began rediscovering and there's some trends that were happening at the same time there was this trend of moving from no taste to taste which explains why vodka's been dropping off and whiskey's
0: picking right, up because vodka's the the tofu of spirits exactly. it takes on the taste of what's around yes. it as opposed to beginning with its own flavor it's st- a
1: neutral spirit that simply gets better by being more neutral
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> right then, uh, <laughs>
1: that's right <laughs> sorry yeah. i had to put a question mark at the end of it that kind of sort of
2: but but then the second trend was was going from sweet to savory which explains why people want are looking more towards rye than bourbon of course yeah and then drink less but drink better which gives you permission to go over the top with really good-tasting stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to hit all of that. And so when the numbers came in in 2008, early in 2008, I left Maker's Mark. And I had it in my heart getting involved in the craft spirits world and to being involved early on in the resurgence of rye. There are some folks that say I created it. I did not. I was just one of the first people to call it and take big action on it, mm-hmm.
0: and say this is this is my and home, this is this where is I'm at, at. this yeah. is the,
2: and and you know where I'd been, Mr. Bourbon up to this point. Now I'm Mr. Rye, and you know, so, everybody knows me more
0: for that. So we're tasting the Whistle Pig Old World Cask Finish Rye. This is a 12 year. Um, what is um, significantly different from the right. 10 to this? So. Um, we're all about different profiles completely. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you know, and I'm not. It gonna, is a very different. It's, it's very it different. Almost doesn't taste like it's even from the same company, right? You know. So this one's twelve years old. After it's twelve years old, we split it. Sixty-three percent goes into a Verdello Madeira cask. Thirty percent goes into a French Sauterne barrel. Seven percent into a Tawny Port cask. Each of those finishes takes their own time, someplace between two and ten weeks each. When they're done, they go into a marrying tank. Wait for the rest. Then it marries up, and we bring it back. Um, and the goal was to seek three things. Number one, taste good. Number two, taste all the ingredients. So, sauterne, Madeira, port, and rye. Mm-hmm. And number three, well-balanced. And uh, and that was elusive. It took just just once I had the finishes done and agreed on, it took six months
0: just to get to well-balanced. So, how much of that, 63%, 30%, 7%, how much of that formula was formula and how much of it was trial and error, raising this and lowering oh, that? Oh, it was and, 100% and trial and error. Okay. so that's that's still Absolutely so 100%. Even, even in the chemical engineer's uh, distilling world, there's still plenty of, try this, oh, it didn't work, tweak this, yep. try it again. Totally. I mean, literally, for six months, every, I was carrying around the
2: pure samples, the pure Madeira finish, pure, pure mm-hmm. sautern, mm-hmm. pure port finish. And every night, I get done with everything, I go back to my hotel room and make two micro-batches. And it was what did I learn from that one? Well, okay, it tastes good. Can't taste That's everything. A the, lot of tasting. Notes. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, and it was like and I, and the first thing I learned is the port's overwhelming. And and finally, after fiddling around with it, I just put the port in a penalty box. I said, "Go sit over there," mm-hmm. and <laughs> knocked it all the way down to three percent. And go, I'll come back to you later. Mm-hmm. And then I d- just worked on the sautern and Madeira until I got those in the right zone. And then I said, "Okay, you can come back now." And uh, but literally, it was every single day two micro batches. For six months until I finally got to the one that I thought this is it. That's dedication.
0: So you're hitting the market with, uh, with Whistlepig with your with your ten year and then with your old world cash. This was this your second offering? Yes. Is that the way? So you're hitting- well, actually there was one
2: in between here that was just we we're just goofing around. Okay. We took some ten year, put it in an and got another brand new charred oak barrel. Put it in there and left it for an extra year and it and, uh, came out, it was 11 years old, we bottled it 111 proof, we were trying to get people to sell it for $111.11, <laughs> we, we called it Triple One, and uh, we sent some to, to London, and there's this lady over there who's in the food and wine sector named Karina, and she's like Pele, I mean, everybody just knows her as Karina. I have no mm-hmm. idea what her last name mm-hmm. is, and she got a bottle of it and reviewed it on air and gave it glowing marks, and uh, I, I was told this story by a guy who was impacted, was a liquor store owner who said, his allocation was two bottles, and within hours of her talking about it, he had 150 orders for it, oh and it gosh. crashed his website. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, and and so a bottle of that got to the Whiskey Magazine folks and was rated as the best rye whiskey in the world in 2011. Um, that was our second offering. Then the 12-year was our third offering.
0: So just out of curiosity, if you got all those accolades, why did you not stay with the um, Lynn?
2: Because the triple one was actually set up as a learning experience, it was boss hog minus one, it Mm -hmm. was a practice round. We screwed a lot of stuff up, and you know, because that's the way I learned. You know, some people you know, you read about it, you study about it, you talk to people, and they do it perfect first time. That's not me. (laughs) I read about it, I study about it, talk to people, I screw something up, fix that, screw something else up, fix that, and and so. Triple one was just a practice round for what would eventually be Boss Hog. And we learned a lot of things and we fixed a lot of things before we got the Boss
0: Hog. So you hit the the bourbon market as the bourbon market was just surging. Right. You hit the Rye market as the Rye Market was beginning to find its legs. I've got a good crystal ball. Well, you know, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> good that's what I was going to say. I what mean, did... is this just are you are you a lucky guy, or did you see all this coming?
2: Um, I actually, uh, um, you know, if you were going to write a story about Whistle it would be about vision and guts. Um, I actually am one of the first people that called it. There were, you know, I can I can I can give you all the dots and the lines, you know, mm-hmm. from from when George Washington's. Distillery started working back up, and the press for that, and then a grouping of stories that came out in 2006, and the cocktail revival, and and uh, and all the dots that led up to it. But uh, but I it was absolute study, observe, and call it. And wow. uh, and and so when I left Maker's Mark, I we beat the big guys by years. Wow. Um, And uh, and so that's the vision side and the gut side was that we threw a lot of money at it really quick and I always tell folks you know because I consult for a lot of little brands when they're starting up I always tell people own your define a backyard and own that first Mm -hmm. and with even if it's tiny even if it's tiny just pick a backyard and own it because the the the, you're going to make the most money possible selling in your backyard. And don't leave your backyard
0: until you've sold every case you can sell and have some left over. That that advice and, uh, would work for beer, oh, uh, yeah. craft beer, uh, so well. Yeah, and it's what some of the most successful craft beer startups of the last couple of years. Right. It's mm-hmm. exactly what they've done. And
2: uh, um, but with whistle, there's an exception to everything. And I knew Whistle Pig was going to be exceptional. And so we did a simultaneous launch in New York, um, Los Angeles, or California, and uh, and Illinois. Wow, and and did simultaneous York, launch LA, in all. Chicago. Yep did did the simultaneous launch in all three of them, and uh, and just jumped on the horse and started riding. You should have gone one more. We're the fourth largest Houston's fourth largest city in America. So, well, you know, our philosophy is that we want to do things a little different, and yeah. so you know, a lot of the is so hot. A lot of companies just they just sell out and they just tell you, sorry, you can't have any for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and I know that when you do that to a, a bar that's already got it on the whiskey list if their clients come and order it and you don't have it, they blame the bar. They don't blame the distributor or the distiller. And so I don't like when people get blamed for something I did. <laughs> and so our philosophy is don't enter a state that you can't support. Right. And so when we decided to go after New York and Illinois and California, we knew if we go to Texas, we're not going to be able to support it all initially. And so we held off on Texas for a little bit mm-hmm. because we knew when we came here, we wanted to be able to, to meet the needs without without shorting people on supply.
0: All right. So we'll talk about that whole supply issue when we come back. Plus, we're going to uh, have to get in and do some rapid tasting here. What's next on the list? We're going to do the 15 next. The 15. The big, bold, and old one. Oh, love it. Love it. Smoking and toasting. Uh, you were listening to the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars, and we'll be right back. Mm.
1: Awesome. Mm. Yeah, very
2: familiar Well, you might drink it.
1: Check it out!
0: Welcome back. at smoking and toasting. We are so glad to see you guys. So glad to be on with you, and so glad to be uh, enjoying uh, some of the Whistle Pig Line O whiskeys. These are, um, well, okay. So let's address this right off the top because one of the things about Whistle Pig uh, is that it has been hard to find, mm-hmm. and so you were talking about the whole concept of you know trying to interstate once you knew that you could that you could uh, meet up with them demand. But it must have uh, it must have just completely, like, blown your mind how big the demand actually became. Oh, it's it, it's incredible.
2: I mean, it just you know it it's forced us to do a lot of things. I mean, you know, we we've just rejiggered our entire company. We call it Whistlepig Two Point Wow. Um, so that we could because when we started out it was just bare bones. You know, mm-hmm. you know somebody that was not you know doing something that that maybe was above their above their experience level and and uh, just a, and just loading tons of work on on just a handful of people and mm-hmm. and as we've and as we 've gotten bigger and bigger we 've had to, to get more and more professional so and, yeah
0: and and, and that 's something that that companies go through as the, mm-hmm. as they grow having to having to become a little more corporate than they maybe even wanted to be you know but it but it happens um, why do you think obviously the product is good obviously people like what they're i mean there's it wouldn't be this successful if people didn't like what yeah, came this, out of the bottle. This is not a fad, right? It's not a fad. But why do you think? I mean, there's lots of good whiskey out there. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it has been such a runaway success story?
2: Um, well, the first thing is we hit all the trends. Right. You know, we hit. You know, we hit. We hit uh, going from from no taste to taste, from mm-hmm. from from sweet to savory, drink less but drink better. Um, we also honor the bartenders very, very heavily. And that's, that's one of our focal points is it doesn't matter how good my product is. If the bartenders don't like it, don't get behind it, it's not going to sell. And so we really, really, really try to honor the bartenders at every opportunity, spend a lot of time specifically training bartenders, um, invite them up to the farm to see how things really run. Um, and uh, um, and the bartenders have done a tremendous job at helping us spread the gospel of Whistle Pig.
0: So, uh, what is the status on availability of Whistle Pig at this point?
2: How? So we're not in fifty states yet. We're yeah. in forty some states. Hopefully, mm-hmm. by the end of the year, we'll be at fifty. And, um, but and the, are you the back ten at... and the twelve? You should be able to go to your favorite liquor store and get it. And, and you and shouldn't have too much trouble. Shouldn't finding have any it. trouble. Mm-hmm. And you know, if your liquor store doesn't have it, they can get it. Hmm. Um, the 15 that we're tasting now, I don't quite have enough. And so it'll go in and out of stock from time to time. Okay, um, We're having a little fun with the industry on the 15. <laughs> so, you know, it's no secret. In in the, the Japanese world, they've dumped all the age statements. Mm-hmm. Scotch world, they're losing a lot of age statements. Even the bourbon world is mm-hmm. losing some yeah, age Yeah, absolutely. Statement. So we decided... We can do this. So we had a ten. Then we released a tote. Then we released a fifteen, and we're going. I don't know what your problem is, <laughs> and uh, and it, we're just kind of poking our finger in people. And, and and then we could sell more if we dropped the age statement to fourteen. But we said, you know what? We're okay. We're gonna we're gonna hold the age statement at fifteen, and and that gives us more of a bully pulpit to poke at people. Yeah. And, well, uh, well, you um, know, you're starting. You're right.
1: starting with your your uh, main. Uh, Main squeeze over there, and it's so good to begin with that Mm -hmm. that even though you have a fifteen, you don't necessarily. It doesn't look like you necessarily need that, so it's okay. Yeah, it's okay.
2: I mean, we're we're fine. I mean, this this one's twenty percent of our sales.
0: Well, yeah. um, If if I go to the store for a bottle of the fifteen, you don't have it, I'll walk out with a bottle of the twelve. Right. You know, so it's not like it's not like it's uh, it's causing you necessarily lost sales. What's I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, what's the difference between this one and the twelve aside? Okay. aside from obviously a number
2: so big differences here this one's more like the 10 than the 12 so um with the 12 we've got all the finishes that are applied mm-hmm. to it um so you know with the 12 you're going to pick up some orange blossom and honey notes from the sauternes some dark chocolate and winter fruit from the port and some grapefruit acidity and pepper from the madeira um with the 15 what we did is we took 10 mm-hmm. left it in the barrel another four and a half years and then we discovered we had our own oak trees and uh we called up Independent Stave and and uh, um, um, the Boswell family, and they they uh, I've known them for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, asked them if they'd be interested in working with us. And one of their cooperages is in Missouri, and it makes both wine and bourbon barrels. And we go great. That's where we want to go. So we had some of our trees cut, and when we and when we checked them out, there were 26 growth rings per inch. Now. That won't mean much to people until I tell you the average bourbon barrel is 8 to 12 growth rings per inch. Typical wine barrels have three grades that run from 12 to 22, and so 26 is yeah. the tightest I've ever seen, and so that means the extract level is unbelievable. So we cut these, air dry them, then we have the barrel shell made, and then send it over to the wine side of the house and do a custom 90-minute toast to pull out some fun elements. I'll show you one in a minute here. Okay. Then... We bring it back to the whiskey side, and we, and we, char the heads and staves at different rates so that we can optimize the extracts. And it's and and they're not allowed to let anybody else use our procedure.
0: Now, how do you how did you figure that procedure out? Where did that come from?
2: Um, it came from all over the place. Part of it came from wine guys. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it came from from the guys at Independent Stave because they've been making barrels for four or five generations, right. and and they knew what they were doing. And we just kind of had a meeting of the minds, and and. Uh, um, and we we just kind of talked our way through it. And frankly, the, there was one piece that's just kind of sort of a happy accident. That So when you taste this one, if you remember the 10-year, was spicy on the front end with this caramel butterscotch and vanilla mm-hmm. finish. Mm-hmm. It went on forever. On the 15, the caramel butterscotch and vanilla becomes a backbone, and the spice goes from one end to the other. And now i got to ask, do you all like sitting on a campfire occasionally? Sure. Do you ever roast marshmallows? Yes. Do you set them on fire? Almost every time. All yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Then you're my kind of guy. You have to. That's you know, the way it yeah. tastes good. I'd stick it in there and just, whoosh, you know, and the thing lights up and, and then I twist it around. And yeah. I don't And I make sure that it burns every square millimeter. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fire will burn itself out. Then if you're really careful, you can just pick off the skin and just eat that. And then you go it's back at it crunchy. a second round. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you taste this, watch the finish. And see if you don't taste some burnt marshmallow. Okay, so this is
1: just I, exactly what I feel what, that already.
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs> exactly on a what I was going to ask is, what is that final, final mm-hmm. flavor that I'm picking up? Because I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't identifying it, but I think that's and what you're talking it's about. It's
1: followed by that oak astringency too yep. that I love so much. That exactly. dryness is so beautiful. Yes. I love how this finishes. So
2: you get the rice spice, you get the caramel vanilla, mm-hmm. you get mm-hmm. that little burnt marshmallow note that just there it and is. it's just, it's just, it's there because I can. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just fun, and then and then the orchestra stringency yep. finishes it off, and wow. uh, so this is our biggest and boldest. And mm-hmm. so I say, you know, if you're approaching our category, if you're a bourbon drinker and you drink rye-based bourbons, you're going for the ten. Mm-hmm. If you're a bourbon drinker and you drink Wheaters or if you're a wine drinker, mm-hmm. you're going to go for the twelve. If you're a Scotch guy, you're going to go for the fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. But if this one says, "I want a cocktail." The 12 says I want dessert. This one says I want a cigar. I was just and, about to say yeah, And so I will that. tell you the best 45 minutes that I've spent this year were at a cigar bar in Phoenix called Torch with a bar manager named Shannon, a three ounce pour of Whistle Pig, 15 year old, and a Camacho rum barrel aged Maduro. Oh, oh
1: I have one so, of those. And, in my, uh, so, with
0: the with the, the right rum now. barrel aged, uh, it's a, so I was reading something about this recently that that uh, basically the review was saying you would think that the rum barrel aged cigar would not be the right match for a whiskey pairing, but that in fact it works perfectly oh, perfect. because uh, because it's not it, it's this completely. Different flavor profile that's marrying with, and you get a little bit of that sweetness from the cigar. Well, if you
1: have two things yeah. that have too close a profile, sometimes right. they can cancel yeah. each other out Definitely. or mask exactly. each doesn't, other. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't add anything new to yeah. the discussion. Exactly. I, it just occurred to me too that I think I have a cigar in my humidor. My bottom shelf is all my fancier cigars, and I do believe I have one that was aged in a whiskey uh, whiskey pig barrel. Well. Oh, fun! Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, but so I mean that was that was forty five minutes of pure enjoyment, and the gal was so knowledgeable on whiskey and cigars, we hired her. And, ah, and Shannon great. is now the whistle-pig steward for, for go, Arizona. Nice. Uh, um, so
0: it was definitely a memorable experience. So uh, what, I, I want to make sure we have time to taste everything that you wanted to, for us to taste here. So what would be next on our tasting list? Um, we don't need to – we can do this just the farm stock crop, too, and we'll talk
2: mm-hmm. about um, – and if you want to, you can do a quick on the second one. So for us – so when we started – well, this distillate came from Alberta because mm-hmm. we couldn't get our distillery up and running thanks to the Vermont government. Right. Then when we came to this one, we picked up some distillate from, from Indiana because I needed something that was a little less spicy. Right. Finally got our still up and running. Okay. We've been running for two and three quarter years and people are going, when do we get to taste the distillate from your still? And there's two wrong answers. One is, just give me another eight years. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is, let's get some white dog out. Right, right? And right. Now that trend, that, that fad's passed.
0: Neither one of those and, is a good
2: idea, yeah. And so, but there's gotta be a yes someplace, and I love getting to yes, and for us, yes is telling stories. And uh, so we wanna tell the story of our migration from Alberta to Indiana to Vermont, our migration from single terroir, just our water, to double terroir, our water and our wood, to triple terroir, our water our grain and our wood. And we think we're the first story in the world that can claim that, and we've actually trademarked the name triple terroir. Wow. And then, each year, Every time we release a new crop, it'll be a higher percent Vermont distillate at an older age, until it's finally a hundred percent.
0: So you're slowly but surely raising the percentage that's coming from your own distillate. Right. Mm. So crop one, which is this one, mm-hmm.
2: um, is twenty percent Vermont distillate at a year at a year and change. Then the next forty nine percent is six year old from Alberta, and the last thirty one percent is uh, is twelve year old from Indiana. Then for the, the Crop 2, it's 32% Vermont at two to two and a half years old. Then the next 45% is six-year-old from Indiana, and the last 23% is 10-year-old from Alberta. Wow. The cool thing is there's a table on the back that tells you the provenance oh, that tells of every you. drop. Because, be. because one of our goals is to be the most transparent distillery in the world. So you're not... Trying to pull You're anything not over illusions. on anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is, You know, we think it's okay to tell people everything. Mm, and, you know, and millennials in particular, they want information. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll, I'll just tell you that the first crop, you know, the idea is for it to taste good, but for it to be, um, to taste the components. And the first one, mm-hmm. because it was a year and a half old um, Vermont whiskey, and it tasted a little green, um, little little citrusy, rye grainy. This is second crop, and because the Vermont whiskey's all been aged from its get-go in Vermont mm-hmm. oak, there's no young rye it left in it. Smells like cinnamon. Yeah, the, the the baking spices are all over this. It's not intense. Wow. Yeah. But it's but they're there, and then the finish is dark chocolate, like nobody's business.
0: This reminds me.
1: Oh wow. It's
0: of, of all the things we've tasted so far, this reminds me the most. Of like a single malt expression, yep. like something that is is that kind of flavor profile. Mm-hmm. It's very. Um, I don't. God, I wish I, the word that came to my mind was wrong. I was going to say austere, mm-hmm. but that's that's not really the right word because it sounds too. It sounds too snooty. It's just, very, <laughs> it's just very. It's just very like it's it's such a pure combination of flavors. Okay. Like it's like it's very. Uh, uh, it tastes like it was planned to be that way. You know? I know. So so I like which to is say, crazy because of the combination. If
2: the if the 10 says I want a cocktail, the 12 says I want dessert, the 15 says I want, says I want a cigar, Farmstock says I'm easy like Sunday morning.
1: <laughs> I actually want this over ice cream. Yes,
2: yes. And it's and it's but you know the, there's a problem with this. It's so good. I'm not sure how I'm going to beat it with Crop Three. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that, that's actually actually. But it's really. It is. You know, it's not an overly intense. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like if you like Irish whiskey, this is right down your alley. I was yeah, going to say. I, I've yes. never
1: had a rye whiskey that had a chocolatey finish either. This yeah. is this is that's something really bizarre happening
0: Anne's, here. Ian's only said twice on the show. I want this over ice cream, and once I believe it was a milk stout, and uh, and uh, and now this. So. So, so this is what I what I love about everything that we've tasted here so far, is it's all so good and all so different yeah. in profile from the one that preceded it.
2: You know, that's that. My philosophy is, you know, that you can go to companies so and go. If it's three years and eighty proof, it's this. If it's four years and eighty proof, it's mm-hmm. that. If it's five and a half years and eighty six, it's this. And and honestly, if you take them all and dilute them to the same proof, it's really hard to distinguish. Mm-hmm. Um, you can cut these as much as you want, and no, there's no way you're not going to mistake that you'll mistake them. Um, our idea is don't release a product unless it's got a raison d'etre that's different from everything else we've done.
0: How difficult is it to find the farm stock rye? The uh, uh, this last one that um, the, we're, crop we're tasting, is, the crop uh, two is it's generally available right now. Um, now we do it in a
2: limited release. There'll be three tranches of release during the year. Um, we may release a little bit more next year, but but it'll it. Get it while you can, because it will. It's not designed to be I'm
1: a regular. That's one I'm definitely going to have to pick up. Yeah.
0: All right, we got to take a quick break. Come back with our final segment. We uh, have just a little more whistle pig tasting to do. I certainly, I th- certainly think we have some more questions, and uh, we're going to taste this uh, horny devil, the Belgian style golden ale from San Diego, California's Alesmith Brewery. Now that's going to be coming up, and you are listening to Smoking and Toastin'. This is the radio program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and Whistlepig. We'll be right back. Not to imply that Whistlepig's not a fine spirit, but...
1: <laughs>
0: wow, that's that's just... Isn't that amazing? I, I can't be- believe how much
1: cinnamon I smoke. It's amazing.
0: On the beach in Hawaii Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. We are so glad to have you listening to the program. It's show number 98, and that means we're only two shows away from our 100th show, Free For All.
1: Were you that, thinking that, that was the wrong be, one? Sorry, that I supposed meant to, to be applause? I meant to do this. Yeah, see, I thought so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Somehow the sound effects are better when they're the wrong ones. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I know, way. I totally think that. Maybe it's because they're so high-tech. You know that uh, that you know I didn't know whether that was some sort of sound effect recording or whether that was a real group of people clapping. I was you know there's, I was unable that. to tell the difference. So uh, uh, so this is show number ninety eight. Uh, we'll do number ninety nine next week, and then it's uh, it's anniversary time. Show number one. Oh, I got
1: uh, I got um, Mark Nichols lined up for show number ninety nine. Oh, actually. that's
0: very exciting because he is la- he is really. Mark can be considered the first friend of the show. He was like yes. first contact, yes. you know? Uh, he was the first guy that we had on and and so well, if you remember the very first exciting.
1: time he was working with us? He was with Goliad, then he was with uh uh New, New Republic. Republic yes. Both of them have outstanding beers and now he's doing something different. He's going to come on and tell us okay. about it.
0: Okay. Well, I, I always always like hanging with Mark because yeah, he's so funny. uh you know, if if the we beer could, poet if we could just get him to be passionate about <laughs> his beer, you know. It, it's kind of like Dave. I mean, Dave's a great guest and all, but if he were really just passionate about uh, whistle, if you could just get you him, know him to I mean? open up a little. Yeah, bit. if we can get him, to, if we could just draw him out, you know. Uh, Dave is with us from Whistlepig This has been uh, uh, this has been a, a blast of a show in my mind. Now I'm going to pull out. Uh, this uh, this horny devil Belgian style golden ale. But while I do that, what are we going to taste next from Whistle Pig? I see you brought a couple of what looked like medicine jars. Yeah. Uh, is there some special medicine in there? We I've actually
2: brought a couple of of uh, barrel samples. Did you pour this already? Or nope. is This my this, you're, that you're my, slow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's <right, got> you. <laughs> <laughs> like I, uh, obviously um, I talk too much. <laughs> like, back in uh, um, in the eighties, I did a, a little project with Dr. Bill Lumsden from Glenmorangie mm. and uh, he sent me a, uh, um, a barrel we, of, of we, Glenmorangie. We like the Glenmorangie boys. And, uh, yes. and I sent him a barrel of Maker's Mark mm-hmm. and for 12 years we traded notes back and forth and we tasted and there's a stack of paper like three, four inches thick and then all of a sudden the, the project ended. Be- Why did it end? Because I drank his barrel empty. <laughs> 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 and we just didn't say anything. We just quit sending notes. Okay, that's and awesome. So that's so about six, eight months ago, Dave Blackmore, who's uh, at Bill's uh, right-hand guy, and I run into each other, and he goes, you know what I just found in the warehouse? And I go, what? And he goes, that Maker's Mark barrel. What should I do with it? And I go, drink up. You're 16 years behind. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's good.
0: That's very very good. All right, on that note, we're going to try uh, something we've never had here on the show. This is Ale Smith's Horny Devil. It comes in the um, in the bomber, and I'm going to hand that over to Ian to uh, to do. It's a Belgian style ale. And it is. Uh, I will tell you, it's. Not, this is one of those. You know, every now and then you go, and or this is this is my experience. I'll be like standing there in, in specs and looking at the beers, and I will go, man, I really, that'd be a lot of fun to try on the show, but it's it's really kind of pricey. For a bomb or a beer, and then every now and then I just kind of bite the bullet and get one. So this is one of those that was a little more expensive, as I recall. I don't re- I don't remember the exact uh, yeah, thing, I thought
1: ailsmiths usually not that price, right?
0: Exactly. There, in fact, most of their stuff is available in you know normal cans and bottles. Uh, but I love
1: their old numbskull. Oh, AleSmith oh, is. God, so good.
0: They're they're a fine fine brewery. So I'm really excited to uh, to check see, I loved watching you fumble with the cap this time, knowing you were doing it on purpose. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, no, Alesmith's a fine brewery and they they make really a number of great products and and you need some cups sir there you are. Uh, so we'll be tasting this one and find out while it uh, while Ian's uh, pouring that, uh, Dave, what what are in the pill bottles here So oh, that, that we're gonna So, oh, you're gonna surprise so these us. are okay. these are single barrel samples. And uh,
2: I did a little experiment one time where, where I took uh, took some whiskey that had been aging and married it all together, mm-hmm. and then put it back into brand new barrels, ten barrels side by side, okay, and left them sit for three months, and then I pulled two samples out of each barrel, one sample were randomly numbered one through ten, and the other sample set was randomly lettered A through J, and then I I took them out and I'm I'm shopping around, I'm looking for people who say they love whiskey but have a lousy palate okay <laughs> i'm glad you're exactly what i'm looking for uh. and i just gave them samples and i said i just need you to match these up and everybody could do it there's that much difference in just and the only difference was three months in barrels sitting right next to each other and uh and that just led me to believe you know there's some real fun significance to be had in in single barrels so we have a program where where guy, companies, you know, individuals, whoever, can come to us and say we'd like to buy a whole barrel. And they get to taste through some samples and find the one that they think is particularly fun. Wow, interesting. And uh, I did a, a deal one time, I got seven different barrels I tasted them, made tasting notes of each one of them. I even named them. One of them was the Carnival Midway, you know, because <laughs> it had all those smells that you get when you're walking down right. the middle of the carnival. One of them was the sexy secretary. It wasn't much on the front end, but when she took the bun out of her and took her glasses off, there was a big party. And-, <laughs> and uh, You have an
1: odd romanticism about I this. Know, I'm really, I know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really into this. But, you're a romantic. But I, so
2: I had seven samples, and, and I was tasting a guy, and he was gonna pick through barrels. And so I had seven glasses for him and seven for me and, and two in the middle. And one in the middle, I just poured some Whistle Pig Tenure. And then, and then I, would, I pulled some Carnival Midway, a little for him, a little for me, a little in the other glass. Then I'd put some Secretary, secretary some for him, some for me, and some in the glass. And did that for all of them. All of them were decidedly different. And then when we got done, I took the two glasses in the middle, the ten and the mixture, and hit them. And then had him blind taste and He couldn't tell the difference between them. Wow, and, uh, interesting. Um, which which is just fun. But but so these are just two samples. And and I want you to one of them is they're they're decidedly different proofs.
0: And I want okay. I, I want you to do is when you taste these, tell me which one is the higher proof. Okay. So let me ask you this: When we taste these, should we do them? Like back to back, or should we have the the beer in between? Oh, uh, we should do them back to back. Do them back to back. Yeah. Okay. So why don't actually why don't we start with the beer then, yeah, so it doesn't go. get warm, uh, and then we'll we'll close out going back to I, back. I've with already these. done research. So, oh, you've already done. All right. Well, then you talk while I well, drink. I like,
1: I like to be a little ahead of things so that mm-hmm. we don't have any downtime mm-hmm. in the in the podcast. You know. So um, this is delicious. Mm. Wow,
0: I'm getting uh, almost a, a cherry flavor yeah, on the this. This is
1: very bright, fruity mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, and the Belgian. Yeah, just there that that whole full fruity uh I, I don't even know how to describe so it right now so what's
0: but, interesting is when I think of a Belgian ale I think of something like let's say a Chimay with a with a more a uh, sort of a thicker presence to it and and sort of a darker malt uh flavor this is very sort of citrusy and bright you No know,
1: this has a lot more bright flavors yeah. than you generally do and that might be why they Call it Horny Devil. I don't know if they mm. have a little thing. Oh, Horny Devil is our interpretation of a Belgian-style golden Oh, because it's a golden ale. Mm-hmm. Um, brewed with authentic Belgian ingredients, including candy sugar and a Trappist yeast strain. It is fruity and spicy aromas, include notes of orange, banana, and peppercorns. I got kind of cherry with you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coriander, which probably adds to that. And uh, refreshing citrus notes, which meld seamlessly with the beer's delicate malt sweetness. Horny Devil finishes with a lively carbonation and a refreshingly dry finish. I have to tell you, um, uh, so I get some of that. Like you always get some of the banana uh, and the, and the like cooking spice kind of mm-hmm. taste in those. But this this has almost like that dark cherry kind of sweetness to it. Uh, this is uh, this is delicious. What
2: do you think of this, Dave? I like the brightness in it. I mean, for a Belgian style, I mean, it mm-hmm. really is. It just it's just bright, bright as day. Um, mm. Really, an easy drinker. Much um,
0: more refreshing. You know, usually when I think of something that I have we're to pouring, make more decisions on this, something that we're pouring mm. out of a bomber, I don't think of something that I'm going to go, wow, that was really refreshing. I think it's going to be this yeah. flavor thing, this you know, flavor bomb and stuff. But you don't think about something like like I could drink that outdoors on a summer day.
1: You know? Well, it's it's interesting too because they they even mentioned the uh, the carbonation on here. It has a lively carbonation, but the carbonation is more than you'd expect a lot of times uh, in this style. Mm-hmm. However, it's not like I just had so much carbonation I'm going to be belching and that right, kind okay, of right. thing like that. It's it's actually a, a much smoother carbonation overall too. I mean, look how fast I just poured that, and the uh, the head on this was up to here seconds ago, and mm-hmm. it's pulled down. It's yeah. Much, mm-hmm. So it's actually—I don't know. This is delicious. I'll have to buy this more. Yeah, s'more. this is this is a very hard one to describe. Now for I will me. tell you, at ten percent, drinking one beer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: drinking one beer might mm-hmm. do you some harm. Yeah,
0: well, especially when it's that size. Yes, <laughs> right. but it is ten percent, and I got to tell you, it does not feel like ten percent at all. At all, not even at all. No. Even at all. Uh, yeah. The question is: in fact, even the deschutes that we had earlier almost felt like it was higher alcohol content, and than and right? yeah, yeah, it was five, right? Yeah, five mm-hmm. percent. Absolutely. The question is,
1: how does it do with a whistle pig bag? Good
0: question. This is going to be interesting because you've actually got two for us to compare here. Right. Okay. These are are two different lots. What do we Um, need to know about where we're starting? So,
2: um, you've already tasted the 10. Right. It's the same kind of stuff as the 10, but it's 13 years old. I'll give you that much. So, it's going to bear a little bit longer.
1: This is this barrel-proof. After, love, after, love after the drinking the that's Horny Devil, proof. I don't know if the Horny Devil is making this happen. You can tell me because you're more familiar with it than I am. But this smells a little bit like brown sugar now. Oh, yes, yeah, totally. I'm totally getting brown like, like, Okay, so Absolutely. that's not just me. No,
2: that's just not you. That's that's totally got some, nice, some really nice brown sugar and caramel notes. It's on the front end, which is unusual because usually you get it on the back end.
0: Yes, usually if you've got that 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 sugary caramel flavor it's totally on the finish this but has you're an right.
1: interesting trail on it that your other <coughs> offerings haven't had and this is a single right back of the flavor barrel single barrel hmm and it also has a lot more oiliness to it like this coats the mouth a lot yeah. so what do you do
0: if you taste something like this it's single barrel you're really just kind of tasting it just to to see where things are. And it's really, really good. But you have intended uses for this in, you know, your your other uh, things. What do you do? Put a circle around it and look see if I can find more. <laughs> um,
2: you know, um, sometimes you're a little slow here. I am a little slow. Let's, um, uh,
1: now the challenge here is which one of these has more which, alcohol. Yeah, which in it. I want to know which ones which ones hard proof.
0: Hmm. Without tasting the second one, I'm going to guess the first. But we'll see what the second one tastes like. Because that does have... That's a difference in on my palate, at least, from that and the 10, is that it definitely feels... You can definitely feel that it's higher proof. Warmer, yeah. See, mm-hmm. this
1: one, to me, has a lot more heat towards the back of it, which makes me think that this has got the more proof to it. So I'm going to go with... Uh, B has more proof than A. You could be right. Now
0: tell me the difference between A and B as much as
2: you. Can but that heat isn't a different barrels in a different place in the warehouse, and one's one's higher proof than
1: the other. That 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 I B like selection B. has a different profile though than the right. first one as well. Like it hits the mm-hmm. tongue in a different way. It does. It it's, hits it's more fl- in the mid range in the back.
2: I was going to say the back of the tongue. Yeah So the difference the about this is going to be essentially the caramel extract. Remember, I said caramel can hide proof. Mm-hmm. Right. The first one was 120 proof.
1: So it was. It was the high one. The high one. The
2: second one. one is 112 proof. Now that's
1: fascinating. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Car-
2: so the first one's got a bigger caramel extract than the second and one. And you does. said
1: caramel will hide up to what percentage? Up to 15 percent. Wow. Alcohol. So that, that's yeah. a big difference in the taste oh, yeah. because the second one definitely has that heat. It has more,
0: but it's more caramel, don't you think, than the first?
1: Yes. yes, but it has more of that heat in the back of the flavor that mm-hmm. that comes back, and this is unlike all the all right. the other whistle pigs. In and that it had. And that that that's heat the fun thing about
2: these it. is they're all distinctly different. So There's nobody can go different. and buy these, right? These yes, are, oh, yes, okay. Yeah, we actually have a program where people can buy a single barrel. Wow. And uh, um, you know they they will they say you know if, they, if we can we try to bring them up to the farm. You know, I I love Bill Samuels quotes. And one of my favorite quotes of Bill's is, the fun thing is the bullshit's all real. (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's good. That's really good. And when you come to the farm, that's what you get to see. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's part of that be transparent.
0: What is, uh, what's the origin of the name of whistleblower? Oh,
2: thank you for asking. Um, it's just a silly story. So uh, um, my co-founder, Raj, is uh, a little bit like Winnie the Pooh. He needs a thoughtful spot. He hates it when I say that. But. By the way,
0: do you know there's going to be a like, live-action Winnie the Pooh movie? Yes, I heard that. Yes, I actually saw the trailer for it this weekend. Oh. It's it's animation and live-action, and the premise of the movie—I can't believe I'm stopping the show to say this—but yeah. the premise of the movie is that an adult Christopher Robin, who's now like a Wall Street trader or something? Of course. Somehow gets called back to the land of Pooh uh, because <laughs> of some you know rabbit is missing. I don't know you know something. Uh, there's some sort of problem, right. and he sort of goes back and and in the process you know rediscovers joy. And He finds out and that joy you know, and the childhood tigers
1: actually are made to bounce. Yes, there you bounce, go. he bounce. he
0: bounce <laughs> But uh, um, so Raj is a little bit like one of the. Pooh. I apologize for going off on that tangent. That's okay. By the way. <laughs> uh,
2: um, and, uh, and he needs a thoughtful spot. Thoughtful spot, yes. And so a thoughtful <laughs> spot for him is a walk on a wooden lane. So back in 2007, he's doing some work in bail. Just needs to get his head wrapped around some details. So off he goes on a walk. He's deep in thought, minding his own business. And here's this rattle of a mountain bike. He looks up the hill. And here's this dude just heck bent for election, riding down the hill as fast as he can ride. Long gray hair flowing in the breeze. No helmet. Looks like M.M. at Walsh. And the guy's clearly distracted, looking in the woods, (laughs) looking down the hill, and, and he almost runs Raj over, bails off his bike, gets to his feet, looks back in the woods, looks at Raj again, and in a deep French accent, he goes, Could it be, could it be a whistle pig? And Raj goes, What? And the guy goes, a whistle pig, you know, whistle pig. And Raj looks at him and goes, This really happened. This really happened. And Raj goes, Who are you and why are you in my face? And the guy looks at him and goes, (laughs) and gets on the bike, (laughs) takes off down the hill, and he's gone. Raj is already in contemplative mode. And he stands there and he looks to the sky and he goes, that was the most bizarre human interaction I've ever had. It must be a sign from the heavens I need to do something with this. So he goes home and names his farm, Whistlepig Farm. At the time, I don't think he knew that a whistlepig is a nickname for a prey dog or a groundhog. Uh And uh, he just knew it was weird. And so, so I sit down. I, two years later, he and I are shaking hands. We're going to bring this brand to life, and I ask him, "What?" The heck is the name with Whistlepig Farm? I don't see any groundhogs or prey dogs around here. And he, he tells me the story, and I and we look at each other and go, must be a sign from the heavens. I think we've got the name of our brand. And since most people don't know what a whistle pig is, we've decided to to, to reinvent the to definition. Reinvent the definition. I love And it. so love it. we decide that a, a whistle pig is anybody that enjoys the finer things in life. There you go. So, nice. you nice. gentlemen so can be and, whistle and, pigs, and,
0: and so are you. Well, Cheers. let me just say as we as we kind of close out the show. And uh, Dave, we want to thank you so much uh, for being on the show. This has been so much fun. Oh, by the way, I have to ask you this before you go: um, What's your music connection? I saw a photo of you with <laughs> the guitar strapped around your neck. You're playing like the... Where are you, where are you playing? Like, well, I, I don't. You, I'm
2: not playing. But I'm having fun with it. Oh, but, okay. Uh, okay.
0: But uh,
2: um, um, I can't say much about it. But I can say that I am, in fact, developing a whiskey brand on the side for Metallica. And uh, it will be, uh, and we're, it'll be um, released basically in conjunction with their fall tour schedule. So, if you want to figure out where it's going to be sold, just go on their website and and see where they're touring. Okay. So um, it'll be sold in not, conjunction with the tour. Do not
1: name it. Nothing else matters. Oh, don't worry. I <laughs>
2: mean, um, you know, there were a couple things we were going to try and. Uh, um, we couldn't do because I mean I really wanted to call it Whiskey in a Jar. Um, <laughs> well, that would have yeah, well, made yeah, so yeah. much sense, but, right? But, because they did but cover that. Yes. But, they, but that's exactly it. They covered right, it, right, right, right. right. And right. so we not that. So. We wanted to name it Unforgiven because it would make a lot of sense because you could do line extensions, Unforgiven two and Unforgiven mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, the lawyer said it was too close to, to Wild Turkey's Forgiven. Okay, makes and, sense. Yeah, and, and and so I go. Are your lawyers wusses? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, but we didn't, we didn't want to push it because, you know, we joke around Jimmy Russell and our good friends, and and I'm I and we all say that I'm the dirty uncle of his grand grandchildren because <laughs> it's my job to get them in trouble. <laughs> yep, uh, <laughs> um, but I, that's all I,
0: I can't tell you what it is or anything yet. But watch this space for further development. Well, that's that's just fascinating. Awesome, that is absolutely fascinating. I will just say my favorite Metallica naming story. Is, you know, the font, the Metallica font that's on the old albums, the, the, Really, sort of steel-looking yeah. thing with the guitars on the sides. Yeah. So there's a font that you can download that's like in the public domain or whatever for your computer if you want, and it's basically the alphabet in that Metallica oh, font. Nice. And, and somebody, you know, somebody did it and just like you know, put it out there for free. I wish I could do that on texts. But they named the font. If you if you're looking for this font to download it, the name of the font is Pastor of Muppets. Which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> so, so if you if you want to steal that for in any way, it's all public domain. Feel free. That's so. awesome. Oh, that's Pastor great. of Muppets. Pastor of Muppets. Uh, Dave, I just want to say um, this is my first time to taste more than one iteration of Whistle Pig, and I'm just going to say it. This lives up to the hype. Like so so often in today's, you know, sort of beverage and and craft beer world, you worry sometimes when you get to taste those things that you've been hearing about and waiting on because it can it can be such a th- you know the machine can be so crazy like building up your expectations to a point that it's not possible for the beverage to even maybe live up to. But for me,
1: this I enjoyed every one of them. I these. love that you that you take that that distillate and you do different things with mm-hmm. it rather than going, okay, well, this one's this old, this one's this old, this one's this old, and, and you're not doing anything different. I think that it's wonderful that you experiment with it and take it outside its its, uh, its realm, and that's fantastic. Last
0: thing is, uh, is there anything other than the Metallica thing that you mentioned? Anything else on the horizon that you could tease for us? Oh, gosh. Um, not many things, although,
2: I, you know, we're in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we have just formed the Marfa Sattal Distilling Company. Oh. And, uh, um, we're, I think we're gonna make some sital
0: out in Marfa. Interesting. So. That so you're going to have fun. to come back because that's a whole other show, <laughs> right? That's totally different. That's yeah. a whole other show. Well, uh, we so appreciate you being uh, on here and for you know clearing up the whistle pig story for us. And this is uh, this has been just an absolute blast. We didn't get to the Guinness uh, the Guinness the uh, 200th anniversary, Ian. So I'll save that for the next show. And uh, of course, we also ran out of time for sampling the Mumford and Sons we'll IPA. Get to it. We'll uh, get to it. Tip of our hat to uh, the late Anthony Bourdain. Uh, this has been a very fun for me. I've just learned so much on the show today. Uh, it's been a very fun ninety eighth episode of Smoking and toasting brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant, eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Get the bacon; you won't be disappointed. And they do have whistle. Chef pig. Tommy's bacon so yeah. good, and they do have whistle pig. It's in the bar, so uh, check it out. Have a wonderful week, my friends. Dave, again, thank you so much. Uh, shouts to Adam on the Wheels of Steel, and uh, to my partner uh, Ian. Cheers. Have a a wonderful weekend uh, cheers you guys cheers i drank mine i have to use the beer uh, <laughs> i saved my last
1: awesome
0: thank you gentlemen what i had a show. blast thank you oh i hope you did man it was, what a fun show